You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Feeling run down? Drained? Slow like a slug with a broken leg? If slugs had legs and bones and you know what I mean. You need a boost. You need a drink that will bring you back to life. You need Screaming Eagle Energy Brew. The ultimate energy drink filled with scientifically unproven energy boosters like water from a hurricane. Dust scraped off an old race car. Sweat from a runner's shoe. Spit from a cheetah. And the tears of a screaming eagle. I'm not sad. These are tears of awesomeness. Screaming Eagle Energy Brew. Will it give you energy? Hopefully. Will it make you look cool? Definitely. Will it wreck your stomach and give you horrible gas? Five out of five doctors say absolutely. So drink up and wake up with Screaming Eagle. So, Mark, what do you think? Do you want to invest in my new energy drink company? Um, are you legally allowed to sell that? Only in specific markets. Such as? International waters and outer space. Yeah, I'm gonna pass. That drink sounds terrible. Like it puts the pep in Pepto-Bismol. Ooh, that's good. Can I use that as our slogan? You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-host today is Josephine from Astoria, Oregon. Hi, Josephine. Hi, Molly. Today, we're talking all about energy. Energy is a word that can be used in lots of different ways, like... Ugh, I'm so tired. I don't have any energy. Or... It's time we invest in clean energy, like solar power or wind. Or even... I used to focus on knitting hats, but now I'm using my creative energy to make decorative toilet seat covers. (laughs) So, Josephine, Mm -hmm. what comes to mind when you hear the word energy? I normally would think about, like, this big tank of energy, and then whenever I turn on a light bulb, it takes a very small piece of energy and puts it in the light bulb. Nice. And can you name some places you see energy in our day-to-day lives? When I turn on a light switch and then in a fraction of a second, a light bulb will turn on. Or when me and my mom are going to watch a movie, when we hit the on button, it takes only five seconds for it to turn on since they're not connected. Okay, so I've got a question for you, and I think I know the answer, but yes, I'm going to ask it. Would you describe yourself as a high-energy person or a low-energy person? I'm a very high-energy person. Um, Whenever I see a friend somewhere that I know, like at a park or grocery store, I'm like, must engage, must engage, must engage. (laughs) Sounds like you're an extrovert. So are there some things in your life that you feel like give you energy? Sounds like seeing other people does. What else gives you energy? Some of my favorite foods, like a grilled cheese sandwich and tomato soup or spaghetti Mm. and meatballs. Those are good sources of energy. Yeah, like just really good foods that I really like. So when scientists talk about energy, they usually mean something that has the ability to do work, like it can power something. Gas is a source of energy. 
you can use it to power a car. Food is also a source of energy. When you eat it, your body breaks it down and the energy from it powers your body. We use energy to do all sorts of work for us. It lights our light bulbs. Powers our vehicles. Cooks our food. And runs our factories. We sometimes talk about energy like we're using it up, burning it off, or draining it out. But here's something to blow your mind. The total amount of energy in the universe never changes. It's been exactly the same since the universe was formed and will stay the same forever. Whoa. 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 This cool fact is called a fundamental law. A fundamental law isn't like the laws written by humans, like the laws that tell us how fast we can drive or how old you have to be to vote. Right. A fundamental law is based on observations scientists have made about how the universe works. We call them laws because pretty much everything in the universe seems to follow them. The one we're talking about today is called... The Law of Conservation of Energy. And this law says that energy cannot be created or destroyed. When we use energy, we're actually just moving it around or changing it from one form to another. We'll explain this more in a bit. But first, this brings us to a very woe-worthy question from our pal Penny. My name is Penny from Springboro, Ohio, and my question is, if energy can't be created or destroyed, then how is it here in the first place? It's a wonderful question. And here's the part where I tell you the most frequently used answer in all of science. We don't know. Yet. What we do know is that all the energy in our universe was here from the very moment the universe as we know it began, a moment sometimes called... The Big Bang! Let's show you by jumping way back, rewinding all the way to the start of the universe. It's almost 14 billion years ago! Before the universe even existed. No planets, suns, or galaxies. Nothing. Scientists think the universe began with a single teeny tiny speck. A million billion billionth the size of an atom. Atoms are the smallest building blocks of everything in our world. And this speck was much smaller than an atom. And suddenly... In a fraction of a second, that speck expanded. That's why we call this theory the Big Bang. Because of that very fast expansion, almost like an explosion. And all the energy in our universe was there. It shot out in all directions as the universe expanded. It sent space and matter hurtling out. Eventually, gases formed stars. These stars exploded, making rocks and dust. And the rocks and dust became new stars and even planets. And after a long, long, long time, our sun formed, along with all the planets in our solar system. And that sun, our sun, gives off energy in the form of light. And that energy was created when the universe was. So as far as scientists know... The total amount of energy in the entire universe has been the same since the Big Bang, since the universe was formed. 
That's scientist Gwen Holdman. She studies energy at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. She says energy takes lots of different forms as it moves around. Anytime that something is moving or changing or heating up, it's energy that enables that to happen. So kind of all of the big and small changes that happen in the universe from a star exploding to the vibration of individual atoms and the darkest, coldest part of outer space all depend on energy. And on Earth, you know, everything from a pebble rolling downhill to a blade of grass growing to sound waves traveling through the air. Anytime there's motion or change, there's energy involved in that. So energy isn't something that's used up, burned off, or destroyed. Yeah. Instead, it's just moving around, passing from thing to thing, making an epic journey across the universe. Whoa. 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 How does that idea make your brain feel, Josephine? It makes me think of Star Wars. How so? Because they're journeying. They're having an epic journey across the universe. Let's hit pause on the big ideas for a minute, Josephine, and instead listen to a big noise. It's the... Are you ready, Josephine? I'm always ready. Here it is. What is your guess? Okay, so when I first heard it, I I immediately thought of like fruit being peeled, but then I thought fruit doesn't make that sound. Mm. Then I thought tinfoil. Ah. But tinfoil is a bit more snap, not much more of a rounded sound. Ooh, I like that description of rounded sound. Do you want to hear it again? Mm-hmm. Okay, here it is. Um, now I'm thinking it's like a rewind thing, like those Ooh. weird things that move with that thing that you can rewind it and then it moves forward. We're like scotch tape. Josephine, you have excellent ears. We're going to hear it again and we're going to get another chance to guess and hear the answer at the end of the show. After the credits. We're working on an episode about prehistoric creatures. We're talking dinosaurs, giant sea scorpions, megalodons, saber-toothed tigers, mammoths. So many cool prehistoric creatures out there. So we want to hear from you. We're asking you to write a haiku dedicated to your favorite prehistoric creature. Remember, haikus are poems that have a special format. They have five syllables in the first line, seven syllables in the second, and five syllables in the third. A syllable is one beat or sound in a word. The word grand has one syllable, and the word reptile has two syllables. Here's an example of a haiku. Grand dimetrodon, ancient reptiles, majestic sail, silent now, they lie. Josephine, do you have a haiku for your favorite prehistoric animal? Um, yes, indeed I do, Molly. May I hear it, please? Yes, you may. Sea creatures go low. Birds go very, very high. Look, woolly mammoths. Oh, Josephine, such excellent work. I love it. Listeners, send us your prehistoric haikus at brainson.org slash contact. And while you're there, you can send us mystery sounds, drawings, and questions. Like this one. My question is, do bees have noses? 
Again, that's brainson.org slash contact. And keep listening. You're listening to Brains On. I'm Josephine. And I'm Molly. So we just heard that energy is never created or destroyed. It just moves around. And energy is everywhere. Here on Earth, pretty much all of our energy can be traced back to one source, the sun. But how? I mean, I, for one, get my energy from spaghetti and meatballs. That's not the sun. Food is like stored energy, but that energy in the food started with the sun. Let's take an example. Let's say there's a kid jumping around the house with lots of energy because they just had some delicious yogurt. (laughs) But where did that energy in the yogurt come from? Let's rewind again. It all started on a sunny day in a field of grass. The sun sent light down to that grass, making it grow. Then a cow came by to eat it. The cow digested that grass and got energy from it. Some of that energy went into making milk. Someone took that milk from the cow and turned it into yogurt. Eventually, that kid ate the yogurt and it powered their playtime. So it all started with the sun? Wow. Yeah. Pretty much all the foods we eat start with energy from the sun. Then that energy is passed around until it reaches our bellies. Thanks, son. Are you ready for another mind blower? I'm always ready, Molly. Coal, that dark black rock that's been dug up and burned for heat and to fuel power plants for a long time, the energy it contains can also be traced back to the... Let me guess. The sun? You got it. The sun. Here's our scientist pal, Gwen, again. Coal comes from trees that were alive many, many millions of years ago. And when those trees died, they were buried over time and squished and cooked underground to become coal. Hang on. Coal is just squished up old trees? Yeah. To explain, let's rewind again to about 300 million years ago. This was long before the dinosaurs. The Earth was covered in huge, swampy forests and shallow oceans. There were giant dragonflies, giant millipedes, even giant trees that looked like ferns. So much giant stuff. So much. And the sun was shining down, beaming its sunshiny energy all over the Earth. Thanks, son. The giant ferns and trees and other plants soaked up that sun energy and used it to grow. When these plants eventually died, some of them got buried underground. And over millions of years, they turned into coal. So when we burn coal, we're using that ancient sun energy that trees stored a long time ago. It's kind of like we're using a time machine and unlocking that energy absorbed from the sun millions of years ago. And Gwen says other fossil fuels were also made from that ancient sun energy. Oil and gas are really similar, but in that case, they're mostly the remnants of marine plankton and algae. We're using energy captured by plants and microorganisms alive millions of years ago. We call them fossil fuels, but they're really just stored solar energy that's captured over different periods of time. 
Brains, brains, brains. But there are some major problems with fossil fuels. One is that we will eventually run out of them. Right. There's only so much ancient squished-up wooden plants buried underground. Once we use it all, it will take millions of years for the Earth to make more. The other big downside is that when we burn fossil fuels for energy, it also releases a lot of carbon dioxide gas into the atmosphere. And this carbon dioxide basically acts like a big blanket, making the planet warmer and causing climate change. So, scientists are developing other forms of energy that are better for the planet. And, believe it or not, many of them are sun-powered, too. Let's start with wind power. We're able to harness the power of the wind through big wind turbines. Ooh, yeah, those really tall thingies that look like giant fans. Right. Wind is created when the sun heats up the Earth's surface, which makes the air move around. That wind spins the blades on those super tall turbines. The spinning is converted into energy, and it's used to power stuff like homes or factories. Thanks, son. Next up, hydropower. That's when we harness water and turn it into electricity. We can capture some of the energy of moving water and use it to drive a machine. Water is constantly going through the water cycle. You know, evaporating from a liquid into a gas, becoming rain, falling to earth, and into lakes and rivers, and then flowing out to sea and evaporating again. And what kicks off the evaporation? Say it with me now. The sun. So the sun supplies the energy for all these other sources of power, too. Thanks, sun. There are a couple kinds of power that don't get their energy from the sun. Right, like geothermal energy. That's heat that comes from inside the Earth. And nuclear power. And scientists are dreaming up new ways to get energy all the time. You might even find this future energy technology in your house someday. Huh, I wonder what future me will use to charge my future phone or my future electric toothbrush. I wish I could see some kind of commercial from the future to learn more. One future energy commercial coming right up. Hiya, friends. Has this ever happened to you? Five trillion twinkling holiday lights? What are you doing with five trillion twinkling holiday lights? It's not even the holidays. It's the middle of summer, and you're going to blow the power for the whole city. Oh, this isn't just any old light display. This is the world's largest light-up hot dog. When I'm done, you'll be able to see this weenie from space. Just have to plug this baby in and... There! It's so beautiful. So brilliant. It's so... Dark? Yeah. You blew the circuits using all that power. Major bummer. But you too can make the world's largest light-up hot dog with... Solar space power! It's exactly what it sounds like. Solar panels, but in space. Just slap a couple solar panels on a satellite and you're good to go. The panels will collect sunlight 24-7. Because in space, there's no night, no clouds, perfect for making solar power. That would just beam all the power wirelessly right down to the Earth. Now let's light up that weenie. Wow, it's the most luminous hot dog I've ever seen. Solar space power. It's like regular solar power, but in space. 
What do you think about 24-7 solar space power? I think it's going to be like like a big hit, like Disney Plus. <laughs> and then everyone wants it, but then everyone always has it, and then everyone just thinks they've had it for a million years and that it's just like this really boring thing. Yeah, so like it's going to be this brand new thing, but then maybe it'll eventually be something we all take for granted. Yeah. Yeah, this is an idea some engineers think could be huge. Just one solar panel in space could collect eight times the energy as a solar panel here on the ground because it could be soaking up those rays all day, every day. In June 2023, for the very first time, scientists tried this and beamed that energy back to Earth. It's not common yet, but it's got promise. So one day, my electric toothbrush could use space power? I like the sound of that. And that's not the only new type of energy tech scientists are working on. Ready for another commercial? Yeah. Make use of that pesky humidity with high-grow electricity. You know that summertime feeling? The heat is clinging to you. The air feels thick and wet and heavy. That's humidity. I feel like I'm swimming in my own sweat. Well, what have I told you? You could use that gross, heavy, humid air to generate electricity. Introducing Hydro Electricity. Don't you mean Hydro Electricity? Nope. Hydroelectricity creates power from moving water, but hydroelectricity draws power from the air itself. When air is humid, that means it has millions of tiny water droplets in it, and between those droplets, there are even tinier electrical charges zipping around. Wow! Like a teeny tiny electric sock hop. Um, kinda. Anyway, scientists believe they might be able to use super tiny wires to capture this electricity and put it to use. That's amazing! Could it help me power an air conditioner? Because honestly, I've basically swept myself a new swimming pool. Not yet, but we hope so. Then can I get a popsicle? Gatorade dumped on my head? Anything? Please, somebody help me. I'm so sweaty. Make use of that pesky humidity with hydroelectricity. That is a catchy jingle. So, Josephine, what did you think of hydroelectricity? It sounds like you're taking sweat from a runner's shoe and then putting it into an energy drink. It's very humid here in Minnesota right now, and that sounds ideal. I, like, would love if they would at least have a purpose that I'm this sweaty. Yeah, because then you would be swimming in a pool of sweat. Like, sweaty Betty. (laughs) But wait, they said there are tiny electrical charges zipping around in the air. These must be really, really small. How can we catch enough energy from them? That's a tough one, which is probably why we won't see a lot of power from hydroelectricity for a while. But scientists have been able to capture an itty-bitty amount of power using a tool that's thinner than a human hair. Hmm. It sounds like it would take a whole lot of those super thin devices to make hydroelectricity work. Bingo. Hydroelectricity is still a little ways off, but people used to say the same about solar power. Ready for a final fabulous and fantastic future energy commercial? Here we go! Your favorite outfits are your favorites for a reason. Because when you look good, 
you feel good. But have you ever wondered if your clothes can do more? Well, now they can. Introducing Electrotex, the textiles with a spark. Our scientists have created clothing that not only looks stylish, but it actually makes electricity just from wearing it. Every time the cloth rubs against something, the friction creates a tiny zap of electricity. Then we capture that electricity. That means you can kayak to power your computer, rock climb to run your radio. You can even merengue to power your microwave. So use Electrotex to save power and look good doing it. Electrotex is a hypothetical clothing company. This technology is still in experimental stages. All items sold separately, or in fact, not at all. Electrotex. Fashion is power. So all of these new technologies sound amazing. And even though scientists are still working on them, maybe someday soon we'll see electricity collecting clothes, space solar, or even humidity power at work in our own homes. Energy is a central part of our daily lives, from powering fairy lights to heating up burritos. Yum! The universe has had the same amount of energy since it was created during the Big Bang. This means that energy is never created or destroyed. It just moves around. And a lot of energy on Earth comes from the sun. We collect that energy by burning fossil fuels like oil, gas, and coal, and from the wind, water, and directly from the sun. And some scientists are even working on new ways of getting energy from the sun, like drawing energy from humid air, from the clothing we wear, and even from solar power in space. That's it for this episode of Brains On. This episode was written by Molly Bloom and Molly Quinlan Artwick and was produced by Rachel Breeze, Rosie DuPont, Anna Goldfield, Nico Gonzalez-Whistler, Ruby Guthrie, Mark Sanchez, Anna Wegel, and Aron Woldeslossi. Our editors are Shayla Farzan and Sandon Totten, and our executive producer is Beth Perlman. This episode was sound designed by Rachel Breeze and engineered by Nate Crockett. Many thanks to Roxy Highfield and Barbara Highfield. The executives in charge of APN Studios are Chandra Kavati, Joanne Griffith, and Alex Shafford. And I want to give a special thanks to Camp Kuwanalong, Hannah Patrick, and this person knows exactly who they are, Slightly Smaller Lou slash Grace. Brains On is a nonprofit public radio program. There are lots of ways to support the show. Head to brainson.org. While you're there, you can subscribe to our amazing Smarty Pass, where you can listen to ad-free episodes and amazing, super special bonus content. And you can submit your questions and mystery sounds. That reminds me, Josephine. Are you ready to listen to that mystery sound again? I'm always ready. Wonderful. Here it is. Okay, what are your new thoughts? Um, so I know it's not scotch tape, and I don't think it's one of those rewindy thingies because, I mean, like, it doesn't sound that loud. And I also heard someone moving around in the background. So tell me, what could it be if it's not those things? Um, it's something moving. I know that. Something moving? You sounded like there was something being, like, unrolled or something to you yeah. or, or wound up. Yeah. Can you think of anything that does that? I want to say tape. But I know it's not that. Okay. Are you ready for the answer? I'm always ready, Molly. Like I said, <laughs> I'm always ready. Here is the answer. 
My name is Amelia from Jackson Heights, New York, and that was the sound of me unwinding and releasing a measuring tape. Measuring tape. Oh, I knew it was something like that. I, I have a yeah. measuring tape. I, I was close. I, I said tape, but tape doesn't sound like that. I agree. You were very close. There was tape in the answer. So yes. I'm giving you partial credit for sure. Nicely done. Thank you. Now it's time for the Brains Honor Roll. These are the incredible kids who keep the show going with their questions, ideas, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives. Mabry, Connor, and Mitchell from Olympia, Washington. Selah from Algonquin, Illinois. Reese and Hunter from Charleston, South Carolina. Leon and Lily from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Kazuma from Daly City, California. Zoe from Toronto. Killian from St. Petersburg, Florida. Caleb from Decatur, Georgia. Theo from Santa Quin, Utah. Olivia from Taipei, Taiwan. Oliver from Redlands, California. Ren from Seattle. Zach from New Canaan, Connecticut. Nicholas from Danville, California. Harrison from Victoria, British Columbia. Max from Memphis, Tennessee. Adeline from Hillsboro, North Carolina. Aisha and Ved from Gaithersburg, Maryland. Ali from Orcutt, California, Jubilee from Bozeman, Montana, Jimmy from Baltimore, Nora from La Habra, California, Olivia from St. Anna, Wisconsin, Ramaya from Phoenix, Arizona, Joshua from Burnmouth, UK, Cassidy from Providence, Rhode Island, Oscar and Tilly from Austin, Texas, Leah, Owen, Maisie, and Henry from Delta, Colorado, Simon from Louisville, Kentucky, August from Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania, Oscar and Paloma from Queens, New York, Graydon from Alliston, Ontario, Charlotte from Lake Success, New York, Milo and Maddie from Stoneham, Massachusetts, Rome from Oakland, California, Nico from Pasadena, California, California, Camille from Taylor, South Carolina, McKenna from Denver, Emiliano from Lafayette, Colorado, Olivia from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, Zariah from Gaborone, Botswana, Alex and Naomi from Swindon, England, Riley, Reagan, and Beckett from West Monroe, Louisiana, Jill, Natalie, Isaac, and Finn from Indiana, Andres from Kissimmee, Florida, Austin and Easton from Windsor, Colorado, Gianna from Brooklyn, New York, Daniel from Evanston, Illinois, Catherine and Eric from Kansas City, Beckham from Las Vegas, Amelia, Joey, and Alex from Augusta, New Jersey, Septimus, Maximus, and Emma from Raleigh, North Carolina, Alicia from Oak Park, California, Norman from Elkins, West Virginia, Bear and Julia from Arinda, California, Duani from Redmond, and Rowie from Vancouver. We'll be back next week with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.